Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Hey, Sam. G'day, Dom. So, first time on Culture Bites. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, you've recently joined our consulting team over from uh, from a past life in sales and mm. so on. And so I want to pick apart some of your previous experience with a topic that's been coming up for me lately with some debriefs I've been doing, which is around sales culture and does it need to be read, particularly does it need to be competitive? Because I come across a lot of people who says it does. What's mm. your take on that? Sales culture. Well, sales is competitive. There's no doubt about it. It involves beating the competition to land the sale. Yep. However, competitive, as we know, on when we refer to the circumplex, it comes at a cost. It comes with an impact to yourself, and it also comes to an impact with the people around you. So when I think about sales and competitive, I think about beating the competition and to deliver for the customer in a way that's mm-hmm. better than what the other alternatives are being offered. Right. We've got to win in the marketplace. Yeah. And I, so I think that's a good thing. And I think thinking about working with your team and your business to provide the best solution available is a great thing to focus on. Mm. And if that beats the competition, then that's a win for your business, which is what you're measured on, mm. which is sales results. And I don't see that as a, a negative. I see that as a, a focusing on an outcome, more in the achievement cluster. In terms of competitive, yes, sales can be competitive from an internal point of view because you are competing against other salespeople, Mm. other business units, other products within your own company. And that's when you can, the behaviors or the thinking can have an impact in a negative way. Mm. And one of those ways is people fighting for the same internal budget, for the same internal share of voice to be able to provide the best solution for their customer. So you do see some of the behaviors drift into what I would consider to be less effective in a sales organization with the right intent. However, how it spills out can land as as competitive. So I've seen that before, Sam, in my own experience of internal competition. I, I love that point as well that, hey, we need to win. We need to you know win in the marketplace. Absolutely, right? And I don't think anyone disagrees with that. But that's from a you know, we need to be successful and so on and we need to aim high. And mm. that, that can be achievement, really. And I think people sometimes confuse the two, particularly because the language around achievement and popular culture is so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's prevalent and people see it as a really desirable trait. What they don't consider, though, is when that competition turns inward, which is kind of what we're really talking about with the circumplex when we're measuring competitiveness because it's your teammates or your peers or whatever giving you feedback on the behavior they see from a from a lifestyles inventory point of view. Mm. That's how they kind of experience you. And it's when we have that internal competition is when it can go a bit haywire. And I, I remember a case in the company I worked at and and we're split up into different countries, right? And and it was a container shipping company. And so the the ship would go down and it would call several countries. And I was I was based in China at the time. So it would go to, you know, Korea, Taiwan, North China, East China, South China wherever and out and we were east china and we had this situation where we were quoting one thing to a customer and then thailand or someone else was quote like cutting the quote underquoting us to the same customer and it's like yeah you won the business so it went on to their 
you know, profit and loss or whatever or their sales number. But from an overall point of view, obviously, we just cut our own lunch, which <laughs> wasn't ideal. Yeah. It reminds me of the, we were doing the workshop recently and mm. there was examples where the team were taking a sale off each other so it would hit, hit their P&L versus the, what was great for the business. Mm. Yeah, when you talk about competitive internally, there's also what it does to you as the pressure you put on yourself. Mm. And within a sales organization, there are expectations like any organization to deliver outcomes. Within sales, there's clear metrics. Did you hit your numbers or mm -hmm. did you not? Mm -hmm. Yep. And Sales targets, yep. And that, from an LSI 1 point of view, the internal competitive or perfectionistic where you create pressure on yourself that could be unrealistic or not healthy in terms of the thinking that you attach to that outcome. Mm. And that drives some of what we see in the LSI 2 in being that internal cutting each other's lunch as you referred to it. Mm. It's that, in, that thinking that I'm putting on myself, that expectation around I need to deliver X, Y, and Z, that creates in me the behavior that I would then start to think about who do I need to take down or what do I need to do internally to deliver the result. Mm. So, you know, competitive can also be my thinking how I shop to my teammates, and then in the marketplace, it's, that's, I suppose, the third layer in terms of where beating the competition, that, that's really what it should be about. But sometimes that thinking uh, focuses toward behaving in a way that's not sustainable because you are impacting people around you to, mm. for a short-term win. And I often think of the competitive and aggressive styles in general from that short-term, long-term mm. lens. So in the short-term, yeah, we can hit the numbers this quarter, you know, and, and maybe I, it's like being on a sports team. I'll hog the ball. Hmm. Maybe I'm the star. I'll hog the ball and I can, uh, you know, slam dunk a few hoops or whatever. And that might win you the game, but it won't win you the championship, right? Because you're not building your teammates and stuff. And it won't win you the championships, plural, over the long term. Because, you know, you can't, once, if you hog the ball and dunk it every time, well, yeah. they'll, they'll just guard you better or whatever, you know, like the market shifts and so on. And your teammates will see it too. Yeah. They'll see you take the ball up every time and they'll they'll remember that and they'll see how you've behaved and put yourself first and that will come at a cost. And I've seen that in organizations where people have put their own focus ahead of the teams or the business and how that's played out is that when that individual required some support from mm. others within their team, that support wasn't there because they hadn't built that relationship, mm. that Mm. partnership with people mm. that when it was needed it was not there no one's there for you so it's it's a it's a short-term quick win because you're going at it as you said you're taking the ball and you're running up or it's slow down to speed up and building an understanding a shared view of how we're going to approach this working together as a team and it may not get the result straight away but that result will be sustainable for the longer term you just reminded me of another story i just heard from a client just the other day where they're a professional practice kind of thing and, and the person in charge, they've brought in all these sales targets and they're, you know, pushing them quite hard on it. It's the kind of unintended consequences, I yeah. suppose. And and so the person who's kind of in charge, basically they've got access to everyone's appointments and stuff and they transfer the really valuable appointments over to their own one, <laughs> right? And so it's like, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, cool, I suppose. Like, yeah, your numbers look awesome, but you like, literally just poached them from everyone else, right? Which and is... Uh, a sales number is one metric. Yeah. And 
behavior breeds behavior. If your leaders within that business are wholly and solely focused on that sales number, then that will drive a behavior within the organization or within the team. Mm. But if you look at sales along with culture, along with engagement, if, along with holistic measures, Dom, if you look at all the different ways that you can measure performance across your team, then you get a more balanced view of how, how effective we are as a team. You know, your customer's feedback. The big emerging trend that I can see is voice of customer. Mm. This customer is a strategic priority for businesses and sales is just one part of that mm. measure. Mm. No longer is, I think it's, a, it's quite a short-term view to look at your sales result as a measure of your customer's view of your business because mm. customers are, ac- are able to access technology in a way now to give feedback on your business in a way never before that can go viral mm. and, and the, the power is in the, is in the customer's hands mm. like never before. So going for that short-term win could have an impact on your customer's experience that would then essentially, you know, we're here on Culture Bites, it would come back and bite you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's, uh, it's true though. Have you, have you ever been in that situation where you get the sales guy who's like pretty pushy, you know, and they do get the sale, but you feel kind of dirty afterwards like you've been fleeced or something you're Mm. like oh that doesn't feel good it's a real thing post-purchase dissonance if you feel like Mm. you've been fleeced you will you're more likely to tell more people about that experience than you Uh, are about a good experience and whether that be a single transaction like a car or a a holiday or more of a longer term transaction like you might do with a business to business that sticks with people they remember it and they'll Mm it will stay with them and it will come back to you in some way, shape or form. Conversely, if you have a positive experience and you, you look for that transaction to be mutually beneficial, then I believe that that will come back to you in, in return as well. So what does the alternative look like? Uh, I guess uh, the thing with salespeople that, are, that I've worked with a lot and debriefing them is people think they are supposed to be competitive. Mm. They have to be competitive and that, that's a good thing. Does it have to be that way? I don't believe so. I believe that there is the alternative or what would, where I've seen it work best is when you have a team that have a really clear vision, Mm. a really clear plan with goals. If I think about the circumplex, you know, in terms of achievement, it's what are our goals, short, medium, long-term? What Mm. are we aiming to achieve Mm. this month, this quarter, this year? Mm. And then it's what are the elements of that that will deliver the plan? What are the focus areas? What is our strategy to to deliver on those goals? Mm. And our vision as a team is well beyond a number. What's our purpose for being here? How are we helping add value back into our customer's world? And so real clarity on the vision, real clarity on the goals that will help us deliver the vision. Mm. And then it's working together. So in that humanistic encouraging, it's having an environment where we leverage each other's strengths. We coach each other as, as peers or as managers we help each other. We invest our resource, our budget behind what we collectively believe are the biggest opportunities. And then we, we work together with our customers, with our team to achieve those goals. And it becomes a partnership. And I think that's where the future of value creation, because they say sales people balk when the word sales comes up. They think it's a bit of a dirty word, even salespeople. Mm. But Which is a, sad because it's not. No, that's it shouldn't right. shouldn't be. And we were saying before, we all sell. Like everyone is always selling really. And it's- mm, Selling from, an idea, selling yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's value creation. It's how do we 
collectively agree what's going to be an outcome that's greater for business, for us as a team, by working together. So, uh, Yeah, I wonder, do you think the model of sales is kind of changing nowadays with, with the technology and stuff you talked about, but are the days of that kind of, you know, the typecast Hollywood hardcore sales guy, is that changing? You know, the, I'm thinking Wolf of Wall Street kind of stuff because that's what people think of, right? Yeah, I believe it is. I believe it. It is, and I believe the businesses and the people, the leaders that embrace that value creation, long-term sustainable partnerships will have a better result in the market because, as we were saying, customers are more active than ever before. Businesses are being measured not just on their, their financial performance anymore, they're being measured on their social conscious, they're being measured on their environmental sustainability, they're being measured on their holistic impact on the community. So if you play that out over a sales team, then they need to be thinking about decisions or strategies that will benefit the business and the community for the longer term. And it's not just a, a mentality of take everything you can and bank it. That's just not possible. And we've seen that with recently with the banks. We've seen that recently with big businesses that have not listened to their customers uh. that have had an impact on them negatively because they've they've put their own priorities ahead of, ahead of what the partnership opportunity was. Uh. I guess if, if I'm a sales manager though, Sam, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm like, that's all well and good. Yeah. Yeah. We should be sustainable. We should, you know, look after customers, all that stuff, but we've got to make sales to keep these doors open. And then uh, there'll be no sustainability program if we're not getting people through the door or whatever it is. And, you know, you're talking about targets and there can be hidden downsides to targets and stuff, but you know what? It gets people going, gets people going. Yeah. So what are you suggesting instead or- yeah, look, you definitely need to have a number because I think it's it gives you clarity. Okay. I think a sales target or a performance target of anything gives you clarity on what you're aiming to achieve. Okay. How you go about it is where I think people can get swayed. I think it's having clarity, understanding the drivers that are going to help you achieve that target, mm. working together with a team to collectively own the target, and then course correcting giving feedback in real time around what's working, what's not, to identify if there's things that need to be course corrected on delivery toward that target. That's, I think, all constructive. It's when it's a target becomes a big sledgehammer, mm. becomes a stick that people use, mm. and they either internalize it and become critical of themselves or they become worried or anxious about that number. I think that's when it can have an impact. So as a leader, to your question is, how do I create an environment for our team to be successful? How do I create an environment where we collectively take ownership and accountability of the number, mm. where we work together on achieving it, and we're open and honest with each other about where we're at, how we're feeling, and what we're doing toward achieving the number? Mm. So it's it's a number to help create a collaborative, open discussion about how we would get there. And that accountability and ownership number also happens with the customer. Mm. Often, as a salesperson, you you oscillate between red and green. We talk about the salesman's bow tie being highly competitive, highly approval. Imagine mm. the, I always like to think about the, you know, back in the old days when the, the gentleman would go out hunting in the, you know, in the woods, they would take all their, their dogs out with them. And the salesman's bow tie is like the dog that goes and catches the duck and beats all the other dogs to get the duck that's been shot out of the sky, grabs it, and drops it at his owner's feet. Mm-hmm. That's for me the competitive and approval playing out. You're, mm-hmm. you're beating everyone to get to the win, and then you're wanting to show up to your boss to look how 
how great you are. Mm. So people oscillate between the two in a sales because you're trying to beat internally to please the customer. So you're actually showing up as approval, which which means you're not holding accountability. So so to stay constructive in a sales environment, how do you have ownership and accountability, not just with your team, but also with your customer or your partner in that transaction? Uh, yeah, so I like that about, so it's not about getting rid of targets, no. right? We need clarity. That's important. We need to know what we're aiming for, what we're here to achieve, which is an achievement thing. It's about setting uh, stretch but attainable goals. Mm. Sometimes where you see it starting to go haywire is when you start doing the rankings, internal rankings and stuff, because the message I'm hearing is no longer we need to win as an organization, as a team, but I need to beat Sam. <laughs> yeah. I need to beat Sam. And that may mean I outsell you. It may mean I somehow bring your sales down or something, right? It could go either way. And that, when I see that playing out, that for me says that the strategy or the plan is not in line with that's not an that's not a constructive strategy you if you're ranking each other it's a short-term strategy you are going to drive short-term behaviors and short-term thinking because I'm being pegged against my teammate mm. so from the outset that's not going to set the team up for success and as a leader it's working with your team to to agree the expectations of managing customers to agree the the operating standards by which we work with our customers by aligning on the drivers of performance as a way of working versus pitting each other against one another. So I guess what I'm really looking for, Sam, because rankings, targets, it's actually, it's easy. I can get people Mm. fired up. I can get them going by saying, hey, Sam, you know, you're not delivering, you know, X, Y, Z are better than you kind of stuff. We'll get you fired up, right? Because you're like, shit, I better do something about that. So like... It sounds more complicated, I suppose, going the other way. I don't know. Yeah. What's your, what's your I, take I would still have numbers and I would have it, the team to give transparency and clarity of our performance. I would want to create an environment where people felt comfortable to put their hand up for help. Mm. So I think there's having numbers and using it as a way to identify the drivers of growth and gaps to performance. That's where it, it works. Using it as a big stick to pit each other against each other, that's not helpful in my view. It's not sustainable. It will get a short-term kick because people are in threat state, mm-hmm. but it's not going to deliver long-term growth for your business because people are scared. They're not going to give the best ideas. They're not going to have the best conversations. They're not going to engage with their customers in a collaborative way if they're, if they're feeling threatened for their job. Mm. So I think it's imperative that any business has clarity on its performance measures but it's how you use those measures to create an environment for the team to operate successfully in or or in contrast is to have an environment where people are scared and then they operate based out of fear. Mm. And one is a short-term, the fear-based is I think short-term and you're not going to get the best results out of your team. You might hit the number one year, two years, but you're not going to have a long-term growth plan. That volatile yeah. result, yep. Yeah, and, and it, we see it in businesses. We see cultures evolve based on these focus areas Mm. but it's not how businesses will continue to develop future growth for their shareholders for their teams for their owners because customers have gotten onto that style Mm. and they're no longer and the, the world is not lucky now we have so much choice in all industries we're seeing disruption happen in in all industries you as a customer don't have to put up with what you believe to be an experience that's not 
that's not aligned with your expectations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as a as a sort of final thought, what I really want to challenge on this podcast as well is the notion that sales has to be competitive, has to be red, because I think there's a default assumption from salespeople themselves. And it's like you said earlier, sometimes salespeople think salespeople are slimy or something, yeah. and it's not the case, right? I think, as you said, we're all in sales to some degree or not. We're selling something. And I guess that traditional view comes from that view that you have to be competitive. You have to be all this stuff, but you don't have to be. No, you don't have to be. And even competitive in a transaction or a value exchange, from a competitive point of view, then then you are not, you're leaving that customer with that dissonance we spoke about before. Mm. If, if you're fighting for competitive in, whether it be internally or with someone that you work doing business with, that will have a negative impact eventually. May not be short term. So my question to consider would be, how sustainable is having that approach with your customers going to be? How do you feel your focus on a short term number will impact your long term viability and sustainability? And to consider is, what are the plans and approach that we need to, to consider to take on board a more value creation mindset when it comes to partnering with people in whatever industry, whatever we're selling, it's how do we work to understand their needs, find out what we've got that can better serve those needs than our competitors and then work with them to implement in a way that realises the value that we believe it can. Love it. I think that's a great note to end on as well, Sam. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.